Good morning, church. Today we're going to begin an entirely new series called Exiles, Unrelenting Hope in Uncertain Times. One thing we all would agree with this morning is that we live in uncertain times, right? I mean, you think about it. People are asking the question, will things ever get back to normal? Uh, When will that happen? And when they get back, will that be our new normal or an old normal? I mean, we live in a world where things are just seeming to fall by the wayside day after day after day. I mean, more and more people are losing their jobs. More and more locally owned businesses are closing their doors for good. You know, I was reading a, a statistic yesterday that said that, or the other day that said that, that literally almost 17 million Americans have filed for unemployment. That's one in 10 of working Americans have filed for unemployment. That is 10% of our working population has filed for unemployment. And they're saying that by the end of April, it could be as high as 15 to 18%, numbers that we've not seen since the Great Depression. There is no doubt that we are living in uncertain times. And during these times, people are searching, aren't they? People are searching. They are searching for light at the end of the tunnel, They are searching for something they can lean on that will bring them strength and endurance through these times. They are looking for something to give them purpose throughout this pain. What they're looking for is hope. Now, unfortunately, where people are looking to satisfy these these desires and the things they're looking for, where they're looking at is all the wrong places. They're looking at the world and what the wisdom of the world has to offer, what the abilities of the world have to offer. But the problem is when we look to the world for wisdom and we look to the abilities of the world to satisfy what we're looking for, here's what we find out. They never fully satisfy. The world does not give us purpose behind the pain we're going through. The world does not give us something that we can lean on during these times to cause us to endure. The world can't give us light at the end of the tunnel because every time they give it, what we find out is the tunnel just keeps moving, right? And so when we look at the world, it never completely satisfies what we're looking for. And those that are searching this morning, we need to be reminded that the only way to fully be satisfied is in Christ. Only in Jesus Can we find purpose through the pain that we're going through? Only in Jesus can we find the strength to endure what's happening in our world today. Only through Jesus can we know that there's light at the end of the tunnel. Only in Jesus can we find hope. Can we find hope? Jesus is our hope. Yet there are many believers, and maybe you're one of those, there are many believers who are doing what the world's doing. They too are looking in the wrong places. They too have begun looking for the world to provide all the things that we're desiring and struggling to find. They are looking to the world for the answers. That's why so many of us as believers find ourselves on our televisions all the time, waiting for the next newscast, waiting for the next shoe to drop, and to waiting for the next quarantine update. We are too looking for the world to find all the answers. And I'm not saying we shouldn't be informed, but we aren't going to find the answers we're looking for by looking to the wisdom of the world. The only place we're going to find those answers is in Christ. And so as believers, maybe, maybe during this season, we've taken our focus off of where it should be and we've put it onto the world as if they have the answers. And for the next several weeks, what I want us to do is I want us to take our gaze 
and put it back on Jesus. Take our focus and put it back on him. Now, to help us do that over the next several weeks, we are going to be walking through the book of 1 Peter. Now, this is a book that Peter wrote to, to those that, that, that are struggling, that are living in uncertain times. I mean, it's a beautiful book. In fact, there's probably not a better book that we can navigate through in these uncertain times than 1 Peter. Because as we go through this book, here's what we're going to find out. We are going to see where our hope lies. We're going to see how we can live in hope. We are going to see how we can share the hope that we have in Christ. We're going to see how we can express the hope that is in us. And as we go through this book, we're going to see over and over again the purpose and the motive that Peter writes this book. He writes it to be words of encouragement to those that are struggling. He writes it to be encouragement to those who are living in uncertain times. But he also writes it as a challenge. A challenge of those who in uncertain times to stay steadfast, to stay strong, to stay rooted in their faith. And I hope as we begin today to journey through 1 Peter, we will find encouragement in this book during these uncertain times. But most importantly, that we would find a challenge, a challenge that during all that's going on around us, that we as believers would stay steadfast that we would stay strong, and that we would stay rooted in our faith. So today we're going to begin in 1 Peter chapter 1. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn there, grab your smart device, or, or grab your, 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 your iPad, iPhone, whatever you have there with you. Just grab your, your Bible, some way to get to the Scriptures, because today we're going to look at 1 Peter chapter 1. Now, as we jump into the passage this morning, I want you to know all we're going to look at is Peter's greeting to these readers. Now, many of you think, okay, when, when, I look at the, when I look at chapter one and I see the greeting there, most of us would just skip over that because we would wanna go ahead and get to the meteor stuff, right? We wanna get to the stuff that's like what we're gonna be talking about, all this hope that we have, how we live it out, how we share it, how we express it, and we're gonna get to all that. There's no doubt this book is filled with some powerful, powerful passages about the hope we have in Christ. But I want us to start with just the greeting. Now, here's why. Because Peter does something powerful in this greeting that we don't need to miss. He spends time in this greeting to these readers who are struggling and are in uncertain times, and he reminds them who they are in Christ, and he reminds them who they are in the world with which we live. Now, some of you may say, well, why did Peter do that at the beginning of the book and maybe not do it later in the book when they maybe really need to hear that? Well, I think it's because Peter understood something that we need to understand, Peter understood that once we truly know who we are in Christ and who we are called to be in this world, then we are better equipped to understand, to celebrate, and to live out the hope that we have in Christ. If you have your Bibles, 1 Peter chapter 1, I want to read for us verse, just verse 1 and 2. And it says this, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who are elect exiles of the dispersion in Pontus, to Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, Bithynia, according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, in the sanctification of the Spirit, for the, the obedience to Jesus Christ and for the sprinkling with his blood, may grace and peace be multiplied to you. Now, the first thing that Peter does in this letter and this, book, this, this thing that he begins to pin to these readers is he begins to tell them who they 
are. See, that's important. I don't know about you, but in the world that we're living in right now, man, people are struggling. People have found their identities in their jobs that are gone now. People have found their identities and maybe different elements of life that no longer can they participate in. And people are struggling with just who they are. I mean, all of us have had to find a new rhythm in our lives. And some of us, I was talking to someone the other day and we looked at each other and go, what even day of the week is it anymore, right? Because we are so confused and we're, and we're so just discombobulated with what's going on in the world today. And Peter starts this book by taking this group of Christians and reminding them who they are. And he gives them two names. First of all, he calls them elect. Look at me in verse one. To those who are elect. That word elect just means those chosen by God. That's who the elect are, those chosen by God. Meaning this, it's those that God has drawn to himself through the Holy Spirit. Those that God has drawn to himself through the Holy Spirit who have responded by faith. Now hear me. Who are the elect? They are those who God has drawn to himself by his spirit who have responded in faith. Now, one thing that we all know is true is this. No one wakes up at the beginning of a day and goes, hey, today I think I'll just accept Christ. No, no, no. The way salvation works is we are all drawn and prompted and convicted by the Holy Spirit. No one comes to faith in Jesus without the prompting of the Holy Spirit. And so for those that are elect are those that have been prompted by the Holy Spirit. And I love it because on one hand, we see the sovereignty of God, that it's the prompting of the Holy Spirit in our lives that draws us. But on the other hand, we see the responsibility of man, and that's to respond in faith. So the elect are those who God has drawn to himself and have taken the responsibility to respond in faith to him. Maybe a better way or maybe a more simple way of saying it is this, as the elect are those who put their faith and the elect son of God and therefore become the elect children of God. So Peter starts this letter by calling out to them and calling them elect. Now that word elect is one of those words in church life that makes us feel a little uncomfortable. It's one of those words in church life that seem extremely formal and very stoic, one of those kind of words that just kind of keeps us at a distance. But actually the word elect, the name elect, is actually a word of endearment. When Peter calls those early Christians, those early strugglers, those that are in uncertain times, when he calls them elect, it was, a, it was a term of endearment to them. It would have sent them a message. It would have sent them a message that because you're elect, you belong to the Lord. You were loved by God. You are thought out by God. He's mindful of you. He cares about you. You matter to him. You belong to the Lord. But now when you belong to the Lord, you belong to another kingdom. You don't just belong to the Lord. You belong to another kingdom, a kingdom that is greater than this world. You belong to the kingdom of God. So when Peter calls them out as elect, he's, he's sending this message of belonging. Don't forget who you belong to. I know you're struggling. I know you're going through difficult times. I know there's uncertainty on the table, but don't forget who you belong to. You belong to the creator of the universe. You are his and he is yours. You belong to him and you belong to his kingdom. 
And because you belong to him as believers, as, as, as elect, we have a purpose while we're on this earth. While we're in this kingdom of the earth, we have a purpose. While we belong to him and belong to his kingdom, while we're here, we have a purpose. And we all know what that purpose is. Jesus told us in the Great Commission, go make disciples. We see it at the end of Matthew chapter 28 at the resurrection when the disciples go to see that Jesus risen from the tomb and they meet Jesus along the way and Jesus tells them, go and what? Tell. We know as a believer, as the elect children of God, we, while on this planet, have a purpose. And that purpose is to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. That purpose can be manifested in our workplace, in our home life, in our friendships. I mean, listen to me. Every relationship that you find yourself in, you should have an ulterior motive in every relationship. That relationship should be driven by the fact that you want to share the good news of Christ to those who need to hear it. So while we belong to the Lord and we belong to his kingdom, while we're here as elect children of God, we have a purpose. So this word elect would have sent them a message of belonging, but it also would have sent them a message about their future. I mean, if there's one thing in the world we live in today that's uncertain, it's about our future, right? What's going to happen to our economy? People that are on the brink of retirement, now we're looking at five and six years at least still in the workforce just to be able to retire at a later date. And so when he says, calls them elect, it not only sent a message of who you belong to, it sent a message about their future, a future that is bigger and greater than what this world has to offer. In fact, a future which is out of this world. And so Peter calls them elect. Those that have been drawn by God, who've responded by faith, and he calls them elect to, to send a message that you belong to the Lord. Yes, you have a mission here, but you belong to him and you have a future that awaits you that you cannot imagine. So Peter calls them elect to remind them. He wanted to remind them the greatest and most important relationship you have are not your earthly relationships. It's the relationship you have with the Lord in heaven. And he calls them elect. Listen, he calls them elect to remind them who they are in Christ. So Peter calls them, we're like, now, now the thing about it is, I think we need to be reminded of this. I think this is so true for us as well, that if we are the ones that are sitting out there watching, that have a personal relationship with Christ, we have been drawn by the Holy Spirit. Our eyes have been opened to our sinfulness and our eyes have been opened to the good news of Jesus and what he's done for us on the cross and through his resurrection. And we put our faith in him. We have faith that we're responding. We need to know that we too are elect. We too are the elect children of God. And that means we belong to the Lord. We are loved by God. We matter to him. But while we're on this earth, we have a purpose too. And that purpose is to permeate and to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because one day we have a future that awaits us that's better than anything this world can offer. So Peter reminds these first believers that they are elect. And I think today, if you're a follower of Jesus, you need to be reminded you are an elect child of God. But that's not all he says to them. He calls them elect, but look, again, he also calls them exiles. Look at me in verse 1. He says this, to those who are elect exiles. That word exiles means strangers, aliens, and sojourners. So while Peter, on one hand, wanted to remind them who they are in Christ, 
Now he wants to remind them who they are in this world. They're exiles. Now, this is not a a term that's trying to discourage them. He's not degrading them. He's not trying to to, to, to get them to kind of beat themselves up and think that the world has called them something that's ostracized them. No, no, no. This word exiles is a reminder to to the early Christians is that's who exactly God wants you to be in this world. For those of us that are elect children of God, as we live in this world, which is not our home, we need to be reminded that God has called us to be exiles in this world. We are called to be aliens and strangers. We are called to be sojourners in this world. Why? Because we are temporary residents of this world, right? We are temporary residents. We are just passing through. And so Peter wanted this church, these early believers to remember that yes, you were elect of God, but you were exiles. God has called you. What God wants you to be in the world with which you live is he wants you to be exiles, aliens, strangers, sojourners. Why? Because you're a temporary resident. You are just passing through. Your citizenship does not belong to this world. Your citizenship belongs and is in heaven. So while as exiles, we are to engage this world, we must never forget where our allegiance belongs, right? As we, as we as exiles are to engage the world in which we live in, and that's exactly what Jesus did, right? Jesus always engaged the world with which he lived. And as exiles, while we engage the world we live in, we must never forget where our allegiance and our loyalty belongs to. And it's not this world, it's him. And as exiles, as we engage this world, we must never get too comfortable in it. Because we need to remember, hear me church, we need to remember we are on a short-term mission trip. For those of us that are followers of Jesus Christ, we are right now on a short-term mission trip. This is not our home. This is not where it ends for us. And while we are here, we need to be on mission for Christ. We have a purpose to share the good news of Christ. And so Peter wants to remind them, yes, you are elect children of God, but God has called you. What God desires for you is that while you live on this world, that you would be exiles. You would be strangers and aliens because this isn't your home. Your citizenship is elsewhere. But while you live on this world, remember where your allegiance belongs. While you live on this world, don't forget You're on a temporary mission trip. And as we go through the book of 1 Peter, one thing we're gonna find out is this life as exiles, this life as aliens and strangers and sojourners is a life that's filled with pain and a life that's filled with suffering. As we go through this book, what we're gonna find out is those who are the elect exiles, those that are exiles, those that are strangers for the Lord in this world, we're gonna find out as they go through various trials, We're gonna find out that the lust of the world begins to wage war on their souls. We're gonna find out how they were persecuted for doing what is right. We're gonna find out how they were ridiculed for not sharing the value system and the morality of the world. We're gonna find out how they were abused and how they were criticized for their faith in Christ. We're gonna find out as we go through this book that those that are called exiles, that means that we understand we're gonna live a life of pain, and suffering. Now, I think it's so important for us to know that this is true for us as well. You've heard it said before that we are to be in the world, but what? Not of the world. 
We are in it, but not of it. We need to be reminded that we too, as the elect children of God who put our faith in Christ, who belong to the Lord, we too are only temporary residents of this world. We too have a future that is waiting for us in heaven. And while we are here, we too are on a temporary mission trip. We are elect, but we are also exiles. And I think the problem for many of us as believers is, yes, we know that we're children of God, but we aren't living as exiles. Now hear me on this church. We know we belong to the Lord, but we aren't living as exiles. We look more like the world than we do like Christ. And so Peter is not only trying to encourage them with who they are in the Christ and who they are in the world, he's trying to use this as a motivation as well to them to let them be reminded that, listen, because you're the elect children of God, don't forget that he's called you to be exiles. He's called you to be on mission. He's called you with a purpose, and that purpose can't be skewed and can't be jaded by your circumstances. The mission of Christ must not stop. So stay steadfast. And I think it's so important for us as believers to remember, yes, we are the elect children of God, but we've been called to be exiles. And I guess the question we need to ask ourselves is, are we living as exiles? When someone looks at our life, do they see more of Jesus? More of me trying to share my faith in Christ? Or do they see someone that looks just like the world. They see someone who doesn't look like a stranger. They see someone who looks like they belong here. I have news for you as a believer. I don't belong here. I belong to the Lord. And I have a home in heaven that's waiting for me. And we need to be reminded that yes, we are leg, but also we are called to be exiles. So he reminds them who they are. Secondly, he kind of begins to talk about where they are. Look with me in verse one and two again. He says this, to those who are elect exiles of dispersion in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, Bithynia, according to the foreknowledge of God the Father and the sanctification of the Spirit for obedience to Jesus Christ and for the sprinkling of his blood. He reminds them of where they are. You know where they are? They are dispersed. That word dispersed just means to be scattered. Now he's not talking about something happened and they all fled for the lives. That's not what he's talking about. When he talks about scattered or being dispersed, he's literally writing this letter to Christians that are all over these areas that he just mentioned. Christians that have been scattered all over the, the, the north part of Asia Minor, what we call Turkey. All these believers who were scattered out. Now, if you're scattered out, what's one of the first things you began to feel during this time of quarantine? You began to feel isolated, right? You began to feel alone. You began to feel disconnected. And he wants to remind them, of, yes, who they are in Christ. Yes, who they're called to be in this world. But he wants to remind them, here's where you find yourself right now. You find yourself disconnected. You find yourself scattered. You find yourself isolated. You find yourself quarantined. But he also wants to give them the reality of this dispersion, the reality of this scattering. Look what he says here. He says, to those elect exiles of the dispersion in I mean, to those who are exi elect exiles of dispersion according to the foreknowledge of God. The reality is this, as the dispersion is based on the foreknowledge of God. So in other words, where you find yourself dis dispersed, scattered, isolated, disconnected, God already knew it. 
For example, the moment you said yes to Jesus, God knew it before the foundations of the world. The suffering that you're enduring, guys, that's what he's talking to, the, the Peter's addressing, the suffering that you're going through, God knew it before the foundation of the world. The process of being in exile and where you find yourself, God knew it before the foundation of the world. Everything you're experiencing, God knew it before the foundation of the world. Now, why would this be good news to them? It'd be a reminder that God knows all things, that nothing caught God off guard, nothing crept up on God that God didn't already know. So right where they find themselves, God already knew it. God was already in control. God allowed it to happen. And he wanted to remind them the reality of this dispersion <clears throat> is this, is it is based on the foreknowledge of God. Also, the reality of this dispersion is it has a purpose to it. And that purpose is sanctification. Look back with me in verse 2. <clears throat> verse 1, it says, To those who are elect exiles of dispersion, according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, in the sanctification of the Spirit. Meaning that while you find yourself in dispersion, why you find yourself isolated, there's still a purpose in it. And that purpose is the sanctifying work of Christ in our lives. <clears throat> Meaning this, that while we find ourselves isolated, quarantined, dispersed, that God wants to use whatever situation we find ourselves in to refine us, to shape us, and to mold us, and to sanctify us, and to make us more like Jesus. It should not be hard for us to imagine that we live in a world that is 100% rat race. And we haven't only been in a season of having to slow down, we've had to put the emergency brake on, right? <clears throat> for many of us, we've come almost to a complete stop. And is it possible during this season, God wants to sanctify us? That he wants to take this moment of quietness, of stillness in our lives? and to make us more like Christ? I think so. So the reality is dispersion is, it's based on the foreknowledge of God. This dispersion has a purpose, but it also has a goal. Look what he says here <clears throat> in verse one again. To those who elect exiles of dispersion, according to the foreknowledge of God, in the sanctification of the Spirit, for obedience to Jesus Christ. The goal is that while we are dispersed, that we might find the rhythm of a greater life of obedience to him. See, it's important for us to know, just like it was important for them to know, that where you find yourself scattered and dispersed, God already knew it. He's in control. He's sovereign. And while you find yourself dispersed, God wants to take this window and make you more like Christ. And while you're dispersed, as he is sanctifying you and making you more like Christ, he wants to create a passion in you to live a life of greater obedience to him. And I think we need to be reminded of that as well. We are isolated, aren't we? <clears throat> I mean, for many of us, we, we've disconnected in a big way. We're connected through social media, but we've disconnected in a powerful, powerful way. And we need to know that through this isolation, God knew it. Through this isolation, I believe he wants to do a work in us to make us more like Christ. And through this isolation, I believe he wants to call us to a greater level of obedience to him. Last thing I want you to notice is what he prayed. Look at me at the very end of verse 2. May grace and peace be multiplied to you. 
He uses two words here. Paul uses them a lot, but Peter uses them here. Grace and peace. Grace is the undeserved favor of God. So it's as if he's saying, may the Lord dispense his grace on your life. May the Lord show you your, uh, his, your undeserved favor. You don't deserve it, but may God show his favor to you in your life. May you experience the grace of God. Knowing that, but may you experience the peace of God. Peace is just this idea of tranquility. It's finding rest for our souls. And he's saying, may God bestow upon you peace in your lives. It's as if Peter's saying, I know you're struggling. I know you're hurting. I know times are uncertain, but hear me. I pray God's best for you. I pray you'd be filled with his grace. I pray you would experience his peace. Now think about this. Isn't that a beautiful prayer that we should be praying for people today? People that are struggling, people that are uncertain, people that are experiencing loss. Should we find ourselves praying and saying, Lord, would you show grace and peace to that person? We want to pray over them, Lord, that your grace may be multiplied in their life. Your peace may be multiplied in their life. Maybe that's something we should begin praying. You know why? Because we do live in uncertain times. And maybe some of us here today, we just need to be reminded. We need to be reminded who we are in Christ. You are the elect children of God. That's something to be celebrated. But we also need to be reminded who we are in the world. God has called us to be exiles, not to be like the world, not to look like the world, but to look like Christ. And we need to take the challenge to be that. Or maybe we need to be reminded of where we find ourselves dispersed. But as we find ourselves isolated, as we find ourselves quarantined, it's by his knowledge and it's for our sanctification and it's in order that we might live a greater life of obedience. So I wanna ask those of you that are believers today, those of you that are watching that say that you've had that moment where your eyes have been opened and you surrender your life with Christ, I wanna ask you two questions and I want you to grab a piece of paper and I want you to write these questions down and I really want you to answer them. And here's the first question. How has this epidemic we've gone through, how is this pandemic changing me to be more like Christ? How is what we're going through, how is these uncertain times changing me to be more like Christ? How are they sanctifying me? Is it opening my eyes to the hurtfulness of those around me that maybe too often I've ignored? Has it caused me to take such a pause on my life that I've been reminded of my misplaced priorities? How is what we're going through, how has these uncertain times made me more like Jesus? And here's the second question. How is the change that I've experienced driving me to a greater level of obedience? How is the change that has happened in my life driving me to a greater level of obedience? Now, some of you may say, well, Doug, as I look at my life, I don't know that anything's changed. Doug, as I look at my life, I don't know that I've been driven to a greater level of obedience. Well, if that's you this morning, it's because you've forgotten who you are. You've forgotten you're an elect child of God. You've forgotten that you've been called out to be different from the world. And if you can honestly say, I don't know that I've been changed, you can honestly say, I don't know that the change has led any to obedience in my life. There's nothing changed that's drawn me to be greater in my level of obedience. None of that's happened for you. I'm gonna ask you today as a believer to repent of that and to ask God to remind you of the beauty of who you are in Christ and who you are in this world. And then maybe there's some of you watching today 
that you're like the person I talked to at the beginning. You're searching, and you're searching hard. You're looking for that light at the end of the tunnel. You're looking for something you can lean on to get you through this. You're looking for hope. I just want you to know you can only find it. You can only find be satisfied in your answer in Jesus. And if you've never put your faith in him, I just want you to know this morning that your hope is in Christ. It's not in this world. It's in him. Only Jesus can give you purpose through the pain. Only Jesus can let you know there's going to be light at the end of this tunnel. Only Jesus can give you the strength you need to make it through it. Only Jesus can give you a hope that this world has nothing to offer because of the world that's coming that offers everything. Only in Jesus can you find that. And so today you want to maybe need to receive him as your Lord and Savior. And if you want to do that today, I'm just going to ask you to just to pray something like this. Just say, dear Lord Jesus, today my eyes have been opened. I feel your spirit has been drawing me to you. And today I want to respond by faith. Today I want to say yes to you. I ask you to forgive me my sins and to be the boss and the master of my life. And if you just prayed that, let me be the first to welcome you to the family of God. The decision you make is not just a decision that will affect this life, it will affect all of eternity. And so wherever you find yourself watching this morning, as someone who just made that decision, or as a believer who's wrestling with, how has this changed me, and how has this led me to a greater level of obedience, I'm just going to ask all of us to do this this morning. Would we just respond to the Lord as he leads us? Would you pray with me? Father God, I love you. I thank you for today. I thank you as we open First Peter that we see these powerful words of Peter, these powerful words reminding these people who are struggling, who are living in persecution, who are living in uncertain times, reminding them who they are in Christ. They are the elect children of God, reminding them who they are and who they are called to be in this world, exiles, strangers, and aliens. But God, I thank you that Peter also reminded them that where they find themselves, the reality is, it's with God's knowledge. Nothing caught him off guard. Where they were dispersed didn't happen by accident. God knew it. But in their dispersion, in their scattering, in their isolation, God wants to use it to sanctify them. And God wants to use it to help them lead a life of greater obedience. And God, that same truth is relevant for us today. May we look at this passage and may we truly ask ourselves as a believer, how is what I've gone through? How is this quarantine? How has God used these moments of uncertainty in my life to make me more like Jesus? And how has that change in my life led me to greater obedience? God, I praise believers we can answer that question honestly. And if we feel like nothing's changed, Lord, may we repent of that. May we ask you to open our eyes and to remind us of who we are. But God, I thank you for that person that may be watching, that today for the first time their eyes were open to the truth of Jesus, that only our hope is found in him through what he did on the cross and rising from the dead. And Lord, I just pray that they would understand that the decision they just made is a decision that has affected all eternity for them. And I pray your Holy Spirit would love on them and hug on them and just let them know that they now belong to you. 
God, thank you for this time. And may we be faithful to respond as you lead us. In your name we pray, amen.